2: Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. The following podcast is a Dear Media production.
3: Welcome back to another episode of the Career Contessa podcast, your shortcut to being more fulfilled, healthy, and successful at work. I'm your host, Lauren McGoodwin, and if you've ever felt anxious about negotiating a new job's compensation package, you're not alone. The thrill of a new job comes with lots of excitement, You're picturing your new role, your new team, and you're probably so relieved about the fresh start and getting to walk away from your current gig. But there's usually one last important step before accepting, and that's negotiating your job offer. Confession, I never negotiated any of my initial job offers in the beginning of my career. And it's definitely something I regret, which is why I will be joined by some experts today to teach you what to expect and how to get what you want with your next job offer. And now this is the Career Contessa podcast. To help you champion what matters most the next time you find yourself pondering a job offer, I'm joined by three career contested coaches. Yes, we offer one-on-one career coaching that you can book through the site. I'll make sure to link to that in the show notes. And today we'll hear from Allison Garrido, Heather Morgan, and Rocky Vori. Let's start with Allison and have you briefly introduce yourself and your experience with job offer negotiations.
0: Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me, Lauren. I was doing a little research in preparation for this podcast, and I realized that I've been doing work with Career Contessa for almost six years, which is super exciting. And I always love being on. So I'm a career coach and a facilitator. So I hope people really identify their strengths and determine their next career moves. And a big part of that is often salary negotiation. So we've got the offer, now what? So I do that in support of working with people one-to-one. And then I also do that working as a facilitator with groups. Amazing. And Heather, let's have you introduce yourself. Yeah,
1: thanks so much for having me. So I spent over 10 years in tech as a software engineer and then pivoted to career coaching where I've worked in university and startup settings I've helped software developers, career changers, graduate students, and many others launch and level up their career. Specifically, I've coached clients on salary negotiation and I've held workshops to discuss negotiation strategies with women, which is really important to me.
3: Yeah, it's definitely a little bit different when it comes to women, which we'll, we'll talk about that, I'm sure. And Rocky, how about you introduce yourself as well?
2: Yes, thanks for having me. In my day job, I lead sales development at a tech company called Procore Technologies. I just joined in October of last year and was previously working at two big enterprise tech companies, Microsoft and IBM, where I had built and led some large-scale sales organizations between around 400 and 2,000 people around the world. So I'm really passionate about building and scaling high-performing teams and I also have a huge passion for diversity and specifically for advancing women in business, which is kind of my night job in a sense. So Used to lead the women at Microsoft Group, have published articles in Forbes on why we need more women in sales, and I've also been an executive coach for the past several years. So not only have I experienced my own sets of negotiations across movements in my own career, even as recent as this past year, but I've also helped people with their own and look forward to sharing some of my learnings across the way today.
3: Yeah, I, I'm so excited that all three of you could join because I think it really adds a variety. This is not a one size fit all topic in any way, shape or form. And it's really great to get the insights of people who have been on all sides of the negotiation table. You know, for example, when I was a recruiter, it was really interesting to hear how people would negotiate their salaries because pretty much everyone is coming to you. And so it's always really interesting to hear these perspectives. So Heather, I want to start with you with my very first question, because the first lesson I learned about compensation packages was that they include more than just salary and almost all that can be negotiated. So can we just talk, like, let's take a step back and say, what can you potentially negotiate for beyond salary. Because when people think of salary negotiation, a lot of times they're like me as the first lesson uh, that I learned is that, oh, it's not actually just salary. There's this whole other thing called compensation.
1: Yeah, absolutely. There are lots of things you can negotiate like your start date vacation time, flexible hours or work from home, especially in a post-COVID world. Are you in a hybrid situation? Do you want a fully remote situation? That's something that you can negotiate. You can negotiate your location. A lot of us have moved to either be near family or for different opportunities. The flexibility of working remote gives us that option. And so you can transfer offices. You. A lot of companies have signing bonuses. There's how to get your home office set up, a stipend for getting, you know, the the good ergonomic office chair, and different equity or stock options. All of these things and more are available for you to negotiate on top of just your base salary. Mm-hmm.
3: I've seen people even negotiate childcare stipends. I mean, I think. Honestly, it's left up to like your own creativity and what you need in your life. But I've seen people negotiate a better job title, a direct report, or someone to help with some freelance. So like adding that into the budget, I mean, I've seen pretty much everything get asked and people ask for these things to be put into their offer letters. Would you, would you agree that whatever you're negotiating for should be in the offer letter or kind of that, the
1: compensation package that they put together for you? Absolutely. I think it helps to get everything in writing so that everybody's clear on what you've negotiated, what you're getting, and there's no questions later on about whether you're going to have that you know, childcare or you know the job title or whatever else you've negotiated. So I think it does help to get it in writing. Yeah. It's less
3: awkward to get it in writing up front and then be able to refer back to it later than talk about it later when... It's obviously a hot topic. Allison, what about you? What, what else should people think about when they think about negotiating for these compensation packages?
0: I think a good thing is to think about negotiating for more than one thing. So maybe salary is your absolute most important, but if you also are thinking about more vacation or you're looking at a relocation, asking for a few different things can sometimes mean that the company can be flexible with a little bit in each spot, or maybe you don't get one of the things, but you get exactly what you want in the other space. So it's often a way that we can help the company be creative and pull money or, or resources from different places. So it's not just about that final dollar figure. Mm -hmm.
3: Allison, when you've helped clients ask for other things, do they ever get, I would think that someone who's listening to this might be like afraid to ask for more, or they might be worried that that's not really allowed. Have you ever had a company come back and like take an offer away because someone wanted to negotiate for something more than just salary and like, you know, the typical things?
0: Oh, thank you so much for asking that. It's a great big no, (laughs) but it's scary, right? It's really vulnerable to negotiate. And we all kind of hold our breath when we do it, even when we're, you know, experienced. I'll use air quotes as I say that in negotiation because it's a negotiation, right? And there's always that little bit of trepidation. I haven't. And I would add that if you, and I know you will be approaching a negotiation professionally and within the bounds of what you think is reasonable. If a company did at that point say, we will not negotiate with you and there's no job for you, that's that's really great information about the way that company operates.
3: Yeah. Good luck negotiating later on. <laughs> I want to take a quick break to talk about one of our sponsors, Brooklinen. Brooklinen knows a lot about sleep, and not just any sleep, but great sleep. That's why their carefully curated collection of cozy essentials includes thoughtful touches to help you get comfortable fast and then fall asleep even faster. You may recognize Brooklinen as the home of, quote, the internet's favorite sheets. Brooklinen was created in 2014 to give customers luxury hotel-level home essentials that don't break the bank. They offer everything from snuggly sheets to cozy towels and robes, loungewear, accessories, and much more. If this is your first time trying Brooklinen, I would recommend their best-selling Luxe Sheets. They are the perfect place to start. Because they are made with the highest quality cotton, these sheets have a super soft feel and a buttery smooth finish. And in terms of design, they come in classic colors like white and graphic and some limited edition shades like aqua blue and toffee. And if linen sheets are more your thing, don't worry. Brooklinen has those as well. They're super airy and feature a trendy wrinkled look that is stylish and makes bed making optional. In addition to sheets, you can take Brooklinen's signature softness outside the home with their loungewear collection. The loungewear collection is amazing. I love it. They have all of the essential basics like tees, tanks, sweatshirts, joggers, and they're all so cozy. You feel like you've never left your bed. Oh, and if you need that extra nudge, check out the five-star reviews. Yep. There's over a hundred thousand of them. Yes, you heard that right. A hundred thousand five-star reviews. People absolutely adore, are obsessed and love Brooklinen. Go to brooklinen.com and use promo code Contessa to get $20 off your purchase of a hundred dollars or more plus free shipping. So one more time, that's Brooklinen, B R O O K. L I N E N.com and enter the promo code Contessa C O N T E S S -S A. And you'll get $20 off plus free shipping. And to all my LA listeners come see and feel the comfort in real life. You can now shop Brooklyn and sheets, towels, and more in their store at Santa Monica. All right, now let's get back to the show.
2: I'm Kat Sadler and it sure is a
3: beautiful day. After such a bleak year, it's time for some joy, and I cannot wait for you to hear my fresh and fun new show. I crack open about mom life, relationships, wellness, and beauty, all the things. Plus, I have provocative conversations
2: with some of the most fascinating and famous spaces in pop culture. I'm here to lift you up and make you think. Check out It Sure Is a Beautiful Day with me and you every Tuesday. Okay, Rocky, what's your take on this? Well, I have a number of thoughts here. I mean, I think one of the best things you can ask is, what is the total compensation range for this role? In addition, getting granular about what are the components that are included in the total compensation? And also, how are those broken out? Because the reason is, to your point, I mean, a comp package rarely includes just a base salary, and sometimes people make the mistake of focusing on that alone, whereas there's base salary, variable, equity, signing bonus, and then even the on-top stuff that Heather mentioned, whether that's a 401k or whatever it might be. So I think it's really helpful to prompt the interviewer to share what's typically included in their package because that'll get you a sense of what the total comp is, how those intertwine. Because, for example, a variable bonus is often a percentage of your base salary. So you want to negotiate your base salary higher so that your bonuses can be higher and understanding some of those factors will help you kind of focus and position on the right components of the package deal. But, but back to what Allison said, I mean, I think it's fully okay to ask for more than one thing. But that being said, I think it's super important to prioritize what's most important to you. And I learned this early on in my career when I actually had an executive coach and I was working at Microsoft and I was negotiating the ability to move from Seattle to New York City. And I was talking to my coach about a number of things. I said, I want to talk to my manager about increasing my salary because New York City had such a higher cost of living. I wanted a reload package. I wanted to ask about work from home expenses like Wi Fi. And she gave me really good advice. She said, People don't always remember what you ask for, they remember the number of things that you ask for. So instead of asking for a laundry list of things, some of which are trivial, decide what's most important to you. Is getting a $50 Wi-Fi reimbursement every month really a big deal? Or is getting a 10% salary increase for the whole year a big deal? And once you put that into perspective, it kind of made me realize what I needed to put my energy into.
3: That's very good advice. It's sort of feeling like you're getting nickeled and dimed to death versus being like, just give me the overall... Amount that you need me to pay at the end. You know, one is a lot more exhausting. I remember as a recruiter too, when people would want to negotiate, we would always ask them, What are the top three most important things to you? And if they couldn't answer that, it kind of felt very, I guess, almost like a red flag. Like you're just asking to ask, and there's sort of this like icky feeling of like, Give me more, more, more versus like, These are the three most important things to me, and these are my priorities. I think that's a really, really good way to come at an already kind of awkward topic so i think that's great okay rocky i'm gonna stick with you for this next one and then heather i know you have something on this topic as well so i think it's natural for people to want to get more in their new role than whatever they were you know doing before but before they can quote unquote get more there's some pre-work that needs to be done so what is the pre-work and rocky maybe we can stick with you on this and then go to heather
2: Sure, I think it's really important to do your homework. I mean, obviously you have to do research on what what does the company offer, what are their salary ranges? You got to look at kind of the industry and where where you're physically located and get a sense of what's reasonable. But I think one of the best ways to do that actually is by talking to people directly. I mean, of course you can check out Glassdoor, you can go on all of these different websites, but they're not always inclusive of everything. And so Um, I found that having direct conversations with people in similar roles, even if you don't know them and find them on LinkedIn is a great way to do it. But people can get a bit uncomfortable if you ask them even in the nicest ways, like, would you mind sharing your compensation range so I can get an idea? I've even felt uncomfortable when people have asked me. So I think that's very normal. But Instead, I've kind of found that it helps to get people to open up if I start first. So I've tried strategies like saying, this company has offered me ABC. Currently, I'm making XYZ, but I don't really know if what they're offering is competitive. What do you think based on the fact that you're in a similar role? And more often than not, people somehow feel more comfortable disclosing their own range. They say, oh, I think that's pretty good. It's comparable to what I make. Or I would ask for more because I actually make about 10% more than that. So It's kind of that give-get mentality and a strategy that could help facilitate more openness.
1: Mm -hmm.
3: And Heather, what's your advice on researching salary averages?
1: Yeah, I think what Rocky just said is totally spot on. I agree that there are those websites. She mentioned Glassdoor. There's also specific ones like Levels for software jobs. There's a ton of websites you can go to for salary information and they aren't always accurate. So talking to people, asking them about the extras that they've negotiated beyond just their salary range, you know, how do they handle the work from home or the childcare or all of those things? Were they able to get more vacation time? Your top three that are most important to you, if you ask other people how they were able to handle that, that can give you some confidence that you can negotiate that with this company. And I think just hearing from other people to validate your research is really critical in giving you the confidence to ask for what you want.
3: Absolutely. Feeling like someone else did it and they were successful with it absolutely gives you the confidence boost. I really love that more people are sharing these stories. Like I see a lot of this stuff being shared on Twitter, it gets reshared to Instagram, TikTok, whatever. There's another thing that's starting to happen where people are leaving their roles and saying what they were paid at that role before they left. So there's like, if you thought it was weird before, it's literally getting less weird every day to talk about money and salary and benefits and and what you're getting. I would say, make sure you're going to a trusted source because look, there might be the person who also like talks up something that isn't true. And then we had a compensation analyst on here and he said the same thing about all these salary websites. He was like, look, in theory, they crowdsource data and they should be really great, but like you could never go to a compensation person, ask for a raise based on looking at Glassdoor, or you could never go to a recruiter and ask for a salary, a certain salary based on what you found on Glassdoor. And I would absolutely agree. And I'm sure you guys would as coaches and, and Rocky as a manager, like you would be like, and what else did you do? Right? Like that would be like the most easy, simple thing. And I think, again, this is one of those big topics. Like put in the time and the research. Sometimes it's not what you say, it's you know how you do it. And so it's kind of like showing them that you care enough to have spent some time with that, I think is great. Not to mention the benefit of just like feeling a little bit more confident. Okay, Heather, I'm going to stick with you. So on a personal level, how can you determine what your must-haves and your deal breakers are? How do you talk to recruiters about these in your negotiation talks?
1: Yeah. So I think to determine your your top three, your must-haves, I think about making a budget, thinking about your personal goals are you trying to save up for your first house or are you you know planning on taking some vacations do you love travel thinking about your work life integration you know is going back to the office going to be too big of a commute and then create a priority list based on what is important to you and your lifestyle and then think about how that fits with the research that you've done on the total compensation and the information you've gotten from the company about what's included in their compensation package and how that fits with your goals and your budget. And then you can make a plan for what you want to ask for and how much that total comp needs to be to support your life.
3: Mm -hmm. And Allison, what do you think?
0: I think it's important, particularly when we're thinking about talking to recruiters, to be prepared before the offer's made. Oftentimes, we think that negotiations start when we get that offer letter, but they might start within the first conversation. People might be asking you for ranges or total comp or, like like you mentioned, Lauren, what are your priorities? So, in... Sometimes people say, you know, the first person to say a number loses. I would never think about any negotiation in that way. It's really true though, that the first person to say a number does set an anchor. So, you know, you can, if if you can push back, if somebody asks you for your range and ask for the range of the salary, you can ask the question first, if you feel comfortable or you feel like that's necessary, but don't be afraid if someone keeps asking you to give a number. It's not It's not the wrong thing to do. What you would feel in a corner is if you haven't done the research and you're not able to come up with something like you mentioned, Lauren, when people don't know what their priorities are, don't know what the market value would be. And also, I think if we are talking about that time when you get the offer letter and you're doing the final negotiations, you probably have dropped some pretty good hints about who you are and what's important to you. So if you're talking about, moving on from your job because professional development is a big priority for you and you want to make sure that you're able to make that next step in your career, one would think and hope that those statements would mean that an organization that's not able to support you in that way wouldn't be moving forward with your candidacy. So it's pretty rare in my experience that the things that people are asking for are big shocks to the organization.
3: Yeah. I'm curious. Maybe we can just take a quick poll. Are you guys team say your range in that first? So, okay. In an initial phone interview, the recruiter is almost always going to say, what are your salary expectations? Mm -hmm. Right. And there's a few reasons why recruiters ask this question. It's not just to be nosy, but it helps. (laughs) And we are nosy people, but we also want to know if we're wasting our time, right? Like if your range is a hundred thousand, we know the top of this role is 70, then there's no point. But I see all the time the advice, and I, I agree with it too, I think to a certain point, is don't give a number at all and kind of keep pushing it, keep pushing it, keep pushing it. Obviously, this is not a black and white thing, right? There's not. It's not like you should always do this or you should never do this. But I'm curious, when you guys are thinking about yourself or even for your clients, are you team push that off as far as possible or are you team give, give a range slash also try to push off an exact number. And uh, Rocky, we can start with you. Starting
2: with me for the hard one here.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just like, if you yeah. know, I guess think about like last time you, okay, you recently got a new job when they asked this question, like what was your go-to?
2: So I am for having the conversation about salary range. However, I'm personally against sharing first. And the reason is anchored a bit in my own personal experience. So I have typically always sort of been fortunate enough to kind of come across or land roles that are above my experience level. And I don't want people to offer me a role based on what I was paid on in the past or my age or my level of experience. I want to be offered the appropriate compensation for that specific job. And so I think recruiters do often try to corner you into starting with a number. And I always suggest to people that we should try to get them to throw out the range first because to your point, we don't want to waste our time. But you don't want to lowball yourself. And so I I typically ask, like, what is the average compensation range for this role? And I leave it at that. And oftentimes, I've had situations where the employer comes back and they even ask you, well, what were you making at your last company? And it's super important to know that many state laws state that they can't do that. And in places yeah. even where they're not allowed to, both public, private, they're not allowed to ask about salary, history, compensation, they still do it, in my experience, in very recent years. And so you have to know what the state laws are, you have to be prepared with that talk track. And I've always said, I don't want to anchor on my previous comp, I want to anchor on the future and understand from you what's the average comp range for this role.
3: Ooh, that's good. I like that. Also, I hope that guilt trips them a little bit because I know for a fact when we as recruiters were basically like had a conversation at work about like, you can no longer ask this question. So, like, they know there's no way their organization hasn't told them you can't be asking that anymore. So, they're just pushing to make someone uncomfortable. And this is a whole other tangent, but it's like, do you do that to men (laughs) or are you only doing that to women? But anyway, I'll save that tangent for later. Allison, let's start with you for
0: what your response would be for this. Sure. I mean, I love that that response of, absolutely, we should not have our past salary dictate our future. And so I'm really glad that you've clarified that. And when I say your range, like it's the range that you expect for this role. So I think that's a really important piece. So if you are going to share, and, and I I think it's okay, I wouldn't lead with it. I think if somebody pushes back, I I typically will and do have clients that will share a range of what they think is appropriate for the role with their ideal being toward the bottom of that range. So never give a range that wouldn't be Yeah,
3: acceptable. like if you're going to share the range, share the high part of the range because exactly. why not, right?
0: That's yeah. it. Yeah, and it should not definitely not be based on what you were making, but appropriate for the role.
1: Yeah.
3: And Heather, what about you? Do you have like a go-to answer for this?
1: I agree with what Rocky and Allison said. I would first try to get the company to tell you the range if it's not published. And I know some states do require salary ranges to be published with job postings, which is fantastic. But if you don't know what it is, I'd ask them. And then if they do push, I would give your higher range based on your research. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, totally.
3: Okay. Let's talk about the keys to a good negotiation. So when I think of a good negotiation, I always think of like, well, it really helps if you know what matters to the other side. Okay. So Rocky, what are your key pieces of advice when it comes to a good
2: negotiation? One word, practice. I think practice is the most important thing. I mean, I, I would Role play. If you don't have a mentor or somebody who can do that with you, enlist in getting an executive coach, either one of us or somebody else as part of the career contessa um, repertoire, because I think it's kind of one of the best investments you can possibly make. But I think, in addition to practicing, I mean, I found that it's really helpful to practice with a wide range of people. So Sometimes as women, we tend to surround ourselves with mentors who are other women. And I found that when it comes to negotiation, sometimes it's really good to role play with men. And I had an example when I was negotiating a salary increase for a job that I was looking for. It was a job that was multiple levels above what I was at. And I was going to ask for a promotion as part of it. And I had met with many women. They've given me a lot of coaching, some good advice on verbiage that I could use. And then I met with a man. And he said, why would you ask for a promotion? Why wouldn't you ask for a double promotion if that's what the job warrants? And I had never even thought to do that. I didn't even think and it I was possible. Yeah, I, didn't, I didn't even know. I didn't even know you could do that. But he opened up my mind and my eyes to a new possibility that I wouldn't have considered. And I did ask for the double promotion and I actually got it. And so it was such a good learning for me early in my career that it's really important to practice, but also practice with different people who have different styles because that's the way that you're going to really figure out what makes you the most comfortable as you go into that conversation.
3: That's such good advice. And also using that advice when we talk about... Asking people what their salary is. Don't forget to ask men and women. I think you're right about that too. It's like as a woman, I usually go to other women and ask for advice if I'm doing salary, or I guess in my experience, it's like, you know, we might be working with a brand and I ask a friend in a similar space, what's that? What would you charge the brand for this? It's always a woman. I I I need to be better about creating male friends in this space because their perspective is different and also sometimes to your point it's like a strategy that you hadn't thought of so like the more diverse of the opinion and, and input the, the better it only helps so that's that's really really good advice Allison what about your take on this the
0: keys to a good negotiation um I think it's definitely doing it you know I'm a career coach and i kind of drag myself to it sometimes and I take a breath and I know that I'm going to do it for a couple of reasons. I'm going to do it because it's important practice for me. Every time I learn something, it's important for people to see women negotiating. And it's just having that conversation really matters. And the other thing that I would say is going into this, knowing that you're beginning a relationship and you want to work at the company and the company wants you to work there, so, assuming that it's all going to work out, I think people run into trouble. We you know with so many things in job search, it's like somebody's got all the power, and I have to make a change and and be the right person for them, or I can't ask, or it's a competition, and and it's not. It's going in with the assumption that they're going to do all they can to keep you because you're the candidate that they want, and it's okay for you to ask for things and for it to be a conversation, but negotiation you feel like winners and losers and
1: mm-hmm. you know if,
0: if if Rocky had had a single promotion it wouldn't have been ideal but it still would have been pretty good yeah
3: yeah okay i've got three more questions and i'm just going to give one to each of you so rocky this first one is for you how do negotiation tactics advice you know change when it's a small company versus a large larger corporation even
2: maybe a non us company Say that they're pretty similar. I mean, I think larger companies do tend to have a bit more information out there, obviously, because you do see more of those salaries posted and things like that. But I think the talk track and the approach should be pretty similar, frankly. And I know our conversation is kind of focused on negotiating a new job, but one thing our listeners might be wondering is well, what what advice do you have for positioning yourself for a raise at your current company? So so maybe I'll, I'll just share a few quick tips on that, regardless of small yeah. or large. But I think one way to position yourself is actually by asking your team's HR partner how your pay stacks against others in your role structure, your level, and your market. Many companies, both big and small, actually publish this information for their employees. And it's kind of this new effort around having more transparency in comp. And each company calls it a little bit different. It could be a comp ratio, yeah. a point, whatever. So in my experience, I think, this is the best way to kind of understand how your comp falls in comparison to others. And if you're below or at market, and then you can kind of have room for growth in the conversation. and, And one of the tools you can put in your toolbox to start a raise conversation with your management.
3: Yeah. Salary ban. We had a great episode. I'll link to it in the show notes about salary secrets. And it was with a compensation analyst who talked a lot about how raises and are decided and how to go about for that. But I totally agree. Negotiation is not just for the first-time job. It's it's for the raise it's for the promotions for everything moving forward. So that's a really good point. Okay. So this, Allison, is for you. What's the best way to respond if the company isn't willing to budge on the things that you want?
0: I learned a term that I really like in this space. And it's called BATNA. It's the best alternative to the negotiated agreement. So it's really thinking about if this all falls apart, what next? What will I do? And it can help people say, Eep, I really need a job. I'm, I'm going to take what's there. And that's okay if that's the space that you're in, but it might be actually, if this doesn't work out, that's okay. And and I'll move on. And this is a way that I can just um, say no and say, you know no, thank you and still leave it in a way Again, if we're talking about having a relationship and having things be really positive, you know, I've had clients who've said, no, thank you. This doesn't work for me. And they've still moved forward with other opportunities with the organization or the organizations referred them to other places. So it's okay to say, no, thank you. That won't work for me Mm -hmm. right now. But having that in your mind of, okay, if this doesn't work out, which it might not, then what? And making sure that you're really comfortable with what that then what is before you say, no, thank you.
3: Yeah. I mean, do decide how much you're willing to kind of sacrifice if something isn't a fit for you to your point. Like if you're going to risk paying, being able to pay your rent every month, then it's not a great, (laughs) great option for Mm -hmm. you. Okay. Heather, this one is for you. What are some of the biggest negotiation mistakes you've made or you've had clients make that you can remember (laughs) that really stand out to you?
1: Yeah. So for me personally, I actually took a job and I allowed the company to rush me. They basically gave me the same salary I already had with more hours, a longer commute and a start date of November right before the holiday season with no vacation time. And the whole thing was just terrible because I felt rushed. And like, I had to say yes And you don't have to say yes when they call you with an offer. You can say, thank you for this information. I need time to review it. And I will get back to you in a couple of days. And if the company or the recruiter or the manager who's calling you says, no, I need an answer today, we like to call that an exploding offer, you can still take a couple of hours to think about it and and you can think about whether that's the kind of culture you yeah. want to work for. And for me personally, ultimately I ended up leaving that job after 4 months cuz it just this rush right at the beginning was reflective of the whole culture and it didn't really work for me. And so I would just say remember that you are in the driver's seat of your career and if you're negotiating for a new job or for a raise or a promotion you're in control and don't let other people put a time frame on you. Take the time you need to think it through and to make sure that it does hit all of your, bo- all of your boxes.
3: Mm-hmm. I remember reading a Sally Krawcheck's book called own it. She's the CEO of L of S and she had this really good advice of like teach people to say yes to you early on. Meaning, for example, in the book, it would be something like you want them to say yes to your request that I need more time because then they learn. Basically, you're teaching people how to treat you and you're training them like, you're not going to push me into making a decision until I'm ready to make a decision, which I think that's also just a really good thing. It's going to help you for your negotiation, your job offer, your raise, everything like that. So, okay, final takeaway, pieces of advice for negotiation. Rocky, I'll let you go first.
2: I would say we just got to get out of our own way sometimes. I mean, I'm sure we have men listening to this episode, or at least I hope we do. But given that we're all women here, I'm going to talk to women specifically. But I think as women, we, we have enough in our own way when it comes to gender and pay inequity. So let's not get in our own way. I think men rarely think twice about
0: asking for what they deserve. So
2: why shouldn't we? <laughs> yeah.
0: So my advice would be, if you haven't been told that the, an offer is best and final, there's always room to negotiate and it's worth that ask.
1: And Heather? My advice would be that you are worth it and you're successful when you ask for what you want.
3: Absolutely. Well, thank you so much you guys for sharing your negotiation advice. This is like a mini college course that they should teach in college about negotiation. Fantastic advice from all of our coaches today. Thank you so much. I will link to everyone everyone's Career Contessa coaching profile in the show notes. Don't forget you can work with each of these coaches one-on-one for your next negotiation or any really career advice thing that you need advice on. I think it's really interesting that a lot of people as I get older in my career, I realize they worked with executive coaches or coaches, they've had someone in their corner to really help them and give them that point of view. So it's Rocky, as you mentioned, it's like totally worth the investment to be thinking about how you can be proactive with that. So I'll put all that in the show notes. Thank you so much again. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Career Contessa podcast. I hope you found it really helpful. And if you did, please be sure to rate and review our show. I love reading the reviews. So if you want to make my day, I would love for you to leave a little feedback on this episode. And if you want to learn more about Career Contessa's coaching service and the specific coaches that spoke today, Allison, Rocky and Heather, again, as a reminder, I link to all of their links in the show notes. Lastly, if you are negotiating for a raise instead of a new job offer and you're looking for additional advice, we actually have a online course, a brand new one called asking for a raise 101. and we'll be sure to link to that in the show notes as well. But it gives you lifetime access to the course, including the materials, templates, everything you need to do to research your salary market rate, how to have that conversation with your boss. It's one of our best selling courses and we just launched it and you can probably understand why since this is such an important topic.